The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The wait is finally over and the NBA is back. Football is in full swing with the playoffs. And Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's almost here. Wild card weekend or super wild card weekend. Three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. Our beloved, our game number two on Sunday. So the co-main event, uh, if you will, for this super wild card uh, weekend. Um, traveling down to the Superdome to take on the Saints. And uh, where there was a lot of pessimism, a lot of... Um, disappointment in how we made the playoffs fact of the matter is guys we are in the dance uh and everyone who's in the dance has a shot maybe not the best shot but we still got a shot and we're gonna make a run at this thing and uh see what we can do uh it's definitely going to be about as hard (laughs) of a road as there can be because if we win on sunday so we have to go to the number two seed and beat the Saints. And then uh, we would have to go to Lambeau and beat the Packers, which we haven't been able to do since 2018. So, uh, uh, And that's just to get to the NFC Championship game where anywhere from the Rams to the Buccaneers, uh, you know, anyone else could be left waiting for us uh, if we could manage to get over the Saints and the number one and number two seeds in the NFC to get there could be Seattle, like I said, Tampa Bay, the Rams, uh, or the, or God forbid, the Washington football team. You never know with a team that's got a defense that that means something in the playoffs. So, which is why we're all worried about the Bears because we've got the horses on the defensive side of the ball, but lately there has been little to no performance from those horses. So, anyway, got lots to cover. So let's go ahead and dive in. It's the week. Well, I was going to say week 17, but it's not week 17 anymore. It's the wild card weekend preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. We are a little bit more than 48 hours from kickoff between our beloved Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints for the wild card matchup this weekend and um you know there's been a lot of talk this week Uh, I've been on you know we we had Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints on the show yesterday Uh, I was on the Saints happy hour which is actually the um the Saints podcast for the armchair uh network talking Bears and Saints and of course everywhere you go as far as the Bears Bears Twitter and all that kind of stuff it's 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 unavoidable this game is everywhere so I mean it's it's a big deal that the Bears are making the playoffs, and I think most Bear fans like myself 
have kind of gotten over the circumstances in which we kind of backed our way in uh, to the playoffs would have much rather uh, played our way in with a victory over Green Bay. I mean, I think that everyone would be a lot more confident in the Bears' ability and or chances uh, to win this game had we beaten the Packers uh, on Sunday, considering that the Packers were at full strength because they had something to play for uh, as well. So I don't think that the uh, – I think maybe the, the Saints oh, – not maybe. The Saints would still be favored uh, if we had managed to beat Green Bay uh, on Sunday, but I don't think they'd be 10.5-point favorites. I mean, that number just keeps going up. It started at 8.5, then when we were talking to Ross Jackson yesterday, it's 9.5, now it's 10.5. It just keeps going up. So, um, you know <laughs> – Vegas, uh, a lot of people betting on the Saints and, uh, you know, widening that uh, widening that point differential. And um, I don't think it would be as big as wide had the Bears proven that they can beat a quality football team because that's all anybody's been talking about for the last month is that with this offensive resurgence and this, uh, you know, resurgence for Mitch Trubisky uh, and things like that, that um, – you know, well, it was against the, the, the Lions and the Vikings and the, the Jaguars, the Texans. These are not, A, good football teams, and B, even worse defenses. So big deal that he's racking up yardage and points against uh, these teams. Let's see what happens when he plays a real team. Well, we played a real team on Sunday. We did not perform as we had the weeks prior, and we lost the football game on top of it. So that just kind of proved all the naysayers and the doubters uh, right uh, that, uh, you know, Trubisky was basically beating up on the weaker kids, um, which is what you're supposed to do, but not getting any credit for that. Um, more so, they were just kind of sitting in wait, kind of like what everyone was saying before when we started 5-1. and one, We're actually not a very good football team. Don't believe the 5-1 and one record. They're not that good. And then we went on a six-game losing streak, proving them right across the board as far as that goes. But... You know, very much similar to the same thing for the last five weeks, six weeks, where the Bears have been winning these football games and uh, and doing so in a way that we hadn't done in, in quite some time offensively by scoring lots of points. And, um, you know, it, it would, there'd be a lot more confidence uh, in the team, not only from the fan base, but just from the general public, I think. Not so much in, in, in our ability to win this game, but I don't think that people would be laughing at this matchup as much as they are uh, if the Bears had uh, pulled out that victory over Green Bay on Sunday. But can't cry over spilled milk anymore. That's behind us now. And what's in front of us now is an opportunity uh, to prove that we belong here, that we belong in the playoffs, that we you know deserve this opportunity that we've afforded ourselves or that the Cardinals afforded us or the Rams afforded, however you want to put it that um, you know we got this spot in the dance and we deserve to be here and we can go a long way in proving that by beating the Saints uh, on Sunday. So um, I, I look forward to seeing what's, what's going to happen. Which team is going to show up? Are the Bears going to show up with this us-against-the-world mentality? Because, I mean, not only is nobody out there expert-wise or whatever – picking the Bears to win on Sunday. A lot of fans, including myself, picking them to lose uh, this game. I, I mean, I, I I do like this matchup uh, for the Bears, especially if we can have the same success getting into the red zone that we did against Green Bay. As you heard Ross Jackson say, 
you know, the Saints are not that good. They're a great team from 20 to 20. But when you get inside the red zone, the the Saints give up touchdowns almost 70 percent of the time. I just I just saw a stat before uh, I started recording. Sixty eight percent is uh, touchdowns uh, for their uh, opponents. So, I mean, we had five trips to the red zone, 68 percent that we that means we scored three touchdowns instead of one. And the deficit in the in the Green Bay game was 19 points, so you put an extra what eight point thirty five twenty four. So I mean, it looks a lot better than uh, thirty five to sixteen. That's for sure. But um, you know, it it, it just it, it's going to come down to the red zone. We'll talk about that a bit a bit more during uh, uh, keys to the game here in a little bit. But we got news and notes, so let's go ahead and uh, dive into it. Uh, I figured we'll just go ahead and get the injury report out of the way first because we got some things to talk about there. Uh, first of all, it uh, it looks like half the roster is on the injury list um, here. But the, the the thing is, a lot of it is much to do about nothing because uh, a lot of them, you know, are, have injuries, but they're listed as uh, full go across the board. Alex Bars, De- and ne- I'm not going to get into what their issues are but just that these are all the people that are on the injury list that have practiced both Wednesday and Thursday so far. Alex Bars, Deion Bush, Tashawn Gibson, Jimmy Graham, Akeem Hicks, and those are the veteran days off guys, so they're not actually injured. Uh, Eddie Jackson, Cole Komet, uh, Charles Leno, Khalil Mack, Danny Trevathan, and Kendall Vildor. Those are the guys that are on the injury list but have been full go both days of practice uh, this week. On the injury front, guys that are hurt or limited, um, the good news is even though he is limited, he's practicing. Man, he hasn't been practicing for the last three weeks. Of course, I'm talking about Jalen Johnson, our uh, rookie sensation at, at uh, cornerback. We've missed him, especially last week against uh, Green Bay, and we're definitely going to need his help out there. We're going to need to be at full strength for our, uh, you know, in our corners uh, this week. Um, Kyle Fuller and, and uh, Jalen Johnson, we're going to need them covering Michael Thomas uh, this week if he's coming back. Plus, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be playing. He didn't play uh, 10 weeks ago in the Week 8 matchup. So, very important. He's limited um, still with that shoulder injury, and hopefully the fact that he's practicing means that he'll play uh, on Sunday. Uh, causes of concern. Uh, Buster Screen still not practicing in the concussion protocol. Roquan Smith with the elbow still not practice or not still, but did not practice yet uh, this week. Uh, Josh Woods was was uh, full go yesterday, but limited today on Thursday with a toe injury. Hopefully that won't be uh, an issue. And then um, I guess it's nothing to worry about, but he hasn't practiced yet this week. Cordell Patterson, it says personal on the injury list, so he's not injured or anything. He just hasn't practiced for one reason or another this week. Hopefully that's not a big deal. Uh, But the name that kind of steps out at you is Darnell Mooney with the ankle injury that uh, he left the game with on Sunday, not practicing yet this week with the ankle injury. So uh, I haven't heard anything from Nagy or anything, but uh, something tells me that if you ask him about Darnell Mooney, he would kind of fall into the – day-to-day category so I'm hoping that uh, you know maybe he'll at least be limited uh, tomorrow on Friday and be full go by Sunday because 
we're going to need him for sure uh, on Sunday. But like I said, Buster Screen's still not practicing yet. Um, you know, the big names on, on the injury list are Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson. Now, Johnson has been limited, like I said. Roquan not practicing yet at all uh, with the elbow injury. So we don't know exactly what that means for his status on Sunday. But, uh, you know, obviously it's not looking good uh, at this point. So you want to keep a close eye on that tomorrow, especially because after tomorrow, that's when the designations come out, the questionable, the probable, the um, doubtful. And that's the one you don't want to see for guys like Jalen Johnson and uh, Roquan Smith or, or Darnell Mooney. Those are all very important guys uh, and vital to our success uh, this coming Sunday. So, yeah, not uh, not the best of news with the injury report, and so I just wanted to get those out of the way. Good news we got. Uh, Cairo Santos named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Month for the month of December. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody noted that it's been one year and – or excuse me, two years and two days – since the double doink from Cody Parkey. Um, and it was kind of all the talk of the offseason because that's essentially what cost us our uh, opportunity to advance in the playoffs was our kicking issues. Uh, we still had some issues last year. Eddie Pinero made progress throughout the season but still missed some kicks that lost us a game or two uh, last year. And it just seems like kind of out of nowhere uh, our kicking problems have been solved with the emergence uh, of Cairo Santos, who was simply brought in to be a camp leg uh, to back up Eddie Pinero, who was suffering from a a groin or a hand. I don't even remember what his injury was. I know it was a leg injury, obviously. Um, but uh, as far as I know, Eddie Pinero still on injured reserve, while Cairo Santos has been kicking himself into a uh, into a contract that the Bears better give him uh, during the off season. And uh, speaking of other other accolades, uh, Khalil Mack and Cordell Patterson, who are our only pro bowlers this year, also made the uh, pro football focus all pro first team uh, for 2020. So congratulations uh, to them. Khalil Mack is consistently graded out as one of the top edge rushers, pass rushers, uh, whatever his designation is for pro football focus. Um, you know, and I... He, he still led the team in sacks. He had nine this year, which is still, you know, pretty decent. Um, not as good as we would like to see out of our top uh, pass rusher. The Bears struggled as a team uh, to get to the quarterback this year. And i um, hoping that uh, that will improve on Sunday. Because uh, if we can get to Drew Brees, we can definitely cause some things to go our way uh, for sure. So getting to Brees would be uh, important. But um, – you know, Patterson for sure has definitely, you know, and I, I I love Khalil Mack. I don't want to take anything away from the guy, but I, I didn't see a Pro Bowl year from Khalil Mack this year. I mean, it's I think it was more, um, you know, that the fact that he was still disruptive and that he had his his moments uh, this season. But uh, it hasn't been like 2018 where even though he only had he had 12 and a half sacks his first year with the Bears. Uh, in 2018 so he wasn't exactly you know lighting up the world with the sacks but he was far more um, imposing you know he was far more productive in, in uh, doing the things that can't be put on a stat sheet uh, kind of thing so I mean obviously Khalil Mack is the best that we have uh, right now 
in in doing that. And we thought that having Robert Quinn on the team would be the perfect complement because we thought one of the things that was hurting Khalil Mack was the lack of a pass rushing option from the other side. And, you know, Quinn has not been what the Bears signed him to be. Now, whether or not that's been the issue, remember that, you know, I think last week or the week before we brought up the the fact that he might have been suffering from drop foot, which means he can only use one half of his foot and uh, that, uh, you know, it would definitely affect his ability to get off the ball uh, and things like that. And he's been playing through it uh, and things like that. Maybe we'll get the production from Quinn next year that we were hoping to get this year when he's had the entire offseason to uh, rehab and repair uh, that issue. So, I mean, it was an ankle injury or a foot injury that kept him from playing in the first game uh, of the season. And, um, you know, he's only had, I think, two sacks, maybe three uh, on the year total, one of which he got like literally on his first snap uh, in the, in the uh, as a bear. He, you know, comes off the edge and sacks and strip sacks Daniel Jones. He didn't get another sack, I think, until the Minnesota game. So he went like 12 weeks uh, without a sack and uh, very few pressures in between there. So, but, um, you know, as I don't think that, that Khalil Mack was a Pro Bowl player uh, this year, uh, certainly not statistic-wise. But, um, you know, you can't argue with what the, what the guy does um, for us and, and what he brings to the table. It's just that he hasn't been, uh, you know, statistically uh, effective uh, for the Bears. Cordero Patterson, on the other hand, absolutely. The guy is a special teams dynamo. Uh, that kick against the Vikings was huge. And, um, you know, obviously he's helped us out in the running game and is just, a, you know, like a fantastic special teams player. So there's no no uh, controversy or whatsoever that Patterson would make the all-pro first team for uh, PFF. You know, interested to see if he'll also make it for the NFL when their official all-pro teams come out uh, as well. And then finally... Here's a little something I wanted to bring up because uh, it's been a lot. There's been a lot of talk about it the last couple of days um, since the um, the Texans hired a new general manager, um, Nick Cesario, I think is his name, somebody that they actually chased after a couple of years ago when Rick Smith resigned uh, from the position, and he's uh, he's from the Patriots pipeline, which is, I guess, a problem because. Um, that's where they got uh, Bill O'Brien from. He was a Patriot guy before he joined the Texans. And um, apparently Deshaun Watson is very unhappy about another Patriot guy coming in. He's also very unhappy that the Texans didn't interview Eric Bieniemy for their vacant head coaching uh, position. So they, they've interviewed a few people. Eric Bieniemy, who's uh, basically being interviewed by Everybody but Houston, uh, apparently, um, you know, and I guess he was, you know, number one choice for uh, Deshaun to to be the head coach and figured that if he's the franchise quarterback, that they would at least maybe consult him on, on who he'd like to work with and, and, and things like that. And he's a little upset that he was kind of left out in the cold uh, on those decisions. And rumor is that he's he's been going to his teammates and such gauging Uh, their thoughts on him possibly asking for a trade, which of course has sent Bears Twitter into a frenzy. And, um, you know, because all we've heard for the last four seasons is, you know, we made a mistake, we didn't 
We should have taken Watson. We should have taken Mahomes. We had the chance to take either one. We took neither and look at Mitch and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. You know what? It'd be great if we could, but there's a few reasons why, A, we won't, and B, we shouldn't go after uh, Deshaun Watson. Number one, it would probably cost us at least the next three years of our future in order to do it. Um, the, just to get the, cause I, I don't even think Houston's entertaining the idea, even though Cesario is as the new GM, he did not draft Deshaun Watson. Every general manager wants to put his own stamp, uh, on, on the organization, but he's also coming into a team that has no first round picks or second round picks because of the damage that Bill O'Brien did, uh, to the organization. So he might be willing to make the trade to get draft capital so he can build his team uh, properly. But at the same time, do you do that with somebody who, even though he was on a 4-12 and team, was the leading passer in the NFL this year? Do you trade that guy away? No, you don't. You come in and you try to do whatever you can do uh, to make him happy and uh, make him you know excited about the future for the Houston Texans. And... But, you know, to get him interested in that conversation, to at least talk about it, it's going to cost us at least two first-round picks, if not three, probably a couple of day-two picks, you know, a second-rounder, a third-rounder, maybe multiple, and maybe even, like, a player uh, as well. You know, throw in a uh, an Akeem Hicks or a Kyle Fuller or an Eddie Jackson or something like that just to get the conversation started. You know what I mean? And then the other reason would be that, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson just signed a Patrick Mahomes type deal, a four year extension for one hundred and fifty six million dollars. That's uh, thirty thirty nine million dollars a season. Um, Yeah. No, thanks. No. So not only would um, we have to mortgage our future with draft picks, but we'd also have to pay him a salary that would make it necessary or crucial for us to start trimming salary caps to salary cap space to make room for this enormous contract uh, of his. So it's bad for the Bears across the board. Uh, and I, you know, obviously there are Bear fans out there that you just give them the store, do give them whatever they want, get them over here, and all that kind of stuff. If Deshaun Watson was a free agent, I'd be all about it. Pay him whatever it's going to take to get him in, and you know we'll figure that part out. the The salary cap part isn't what concerns me; it's more the draft choices that we would have to talk about or offer up in order to uh, get Watson over. And I know a lot of you are saying, you know, because I've said it in the past, I'm not a hypocrite. I've said it in the past, like when we made the trade for Khalil Mack, we gave up those two first round picks. Pace's um, or the Bears in general, you know, Ryan Pace included track record with first round picks isn't great. So go ahead and make the trade. Go ahead. You know, give up the first round picks. Those picks never really work out for us anyway. But we just got out from underneath the Khalil Mack trade. We haven't had a first round pick since 2018 when we picked Roquan because 2019 and 2020 went to the Raiders uh, in exchange uh, for Khalil Mack. So we'll be making a first round pick for the first time in three years uh, here in 2021, and you guys want us to pull the trigger on a trade that would keep us out of the first round for at least two more 
if not three, uh, to get Deshaun Watson. That and the salary cap thing is it's it's too much for me. I don't I don't think so. I'd love to have him. I absolutely would. Um, he would do great things for us. I don't think that it's worth what we'd have to give up. I really don't. So, um, you know, it, it would be different, honestly, if it's all the factors together. If we hadn't just come out of the Khalil Mack trade, if we were in a better space with salary cap and, and things like that, um, you know, I'd probably be leaning toward more towards doing it than than not. But, um, you know, not having a pick since the first round pick since 2018. We didn't have a second round pick in 2019. Uh, on top of that, uh, you know, all the draft capital we gave up to get Khalil. Um, we're just now getting it all back. And, um, you know, with our salary cap situation, we need to go cheap and get those players to kind of build the franchise with instead of uh, doing what Jerry Angelo did, um, which was, you know, trying to build the team through free agency, which is not a long-term, which is not a recipe for long-term success. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, but look at the Packers. These are the guys that, these are the ones that are building up their own guys. Yeah, they've dipped into free agency a bit more recently, but they still, you know, um, subscribe to the whole uh, draft your players, develop your own players, keep your own guys uh, kind of thing versus um, going out and filling the holes in free agency. So uh, I would much rather use the picks that we have to draft younger guys that are going to be nicer to our salary cap until we can, you know, kind of work our way into a situation where we have some decent uh, cap space to uh, maybe go out and get a to get a a, a better football player, a better quarterback, or uh, or what have you. So, um, I'm not saying I don't want Deshaun Watson. I'm just saying I don't want to pay the price that would be necessary in order to do it. The salary cap thing plus. All the draft picks we'd have to use in order to get them, I don't think it's it's worth it. I don't think it is. I just don't. I'm sorry. So, anyway, hate to end the seb uh, end the segment on a on a sour note, but uh, that's all I got for news and notes. So we're gonna go ahead, um, take a quick break, and uh, give heed to our sponsors. We'll be back with keys to the game. <laughs> the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The wait is finally over and the NBA is back. Football is in full swing with the playoffs. And Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> Keys to the game for the wild card round for our beloved Chicago Bears against these New Orleans Saints, and uh, you know it, I think it's it's fairly simple actually. What needs to be done uh, on Sunday? First of all, you know, like my first key is for the is for the offense because I think <laughs> that's where we're going to get the most help uh, on Sunday. And, and my simple suggestion or my first key, if you will, is um, 
more of the same as the Green Bay game. Keep running the football. Um, you know, hang on to the football. Keep it out of Drew Brees' hands so he won't be able to distribute to the plethora of weapons that he has on that uh, on that side of the ball with with Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and so on. Um, but, but in the passing game, you know, with 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 Mitch's uh, rollouts and play action and such, take deeper shots down the field because the thing that was kind of uh, you know interesting on Sunday with the Green Bay game was Rodgers was 10 for 10 for like 155 yards at halftime. Mitch had actually, I think was like 14 of 18 or something like that, but had only thrown for like 70 yards because the deepest ball that he threw in the first half was maybe five yards. He was throwing a lot of those three yard dump offs and, uh, and things like that, where it was pretty much up to the receiver to get the yak yards to, um, to you know, to progress uh, down the field. And, um, you know, I, I would just want to see us try to go a little bit deeper uh, down the field instead of maybe that first dump off, maybe look for the, you know, the, the, the second level receiver that's, you know, coming down the field, whether it be Allen Robinson or, or knock on wood, uh, Mooney or even Anthony Miller. Uh, Riley Ridley, Javon Wims, whoever it's going to be, maybe you, you know, maybe look downfield first before dumping it off to the guy uh, in the flat, so we can, you know, take maybe a little bit a larger chunk of the field, as opposed to you know passing on first and ten and gaining two yards on a passing play. So that would be the only caveat for me is that I would like to see maybe take us, and I'm not talking about like 50 yard shots, 30 yard shots down the field or anything like that. I'm talking about like maybe anywhere from from 10 yards down the field, you know, look for look at the second level guy uh, coming across or, um, you know, that receiver on the outside that is, uh, you know, running that curl route at 12 yards or something like that. Maybe look at him instead of just automatically dumping the football uh, to that flat person, whether it's Komet or uh, Jimmy Graham or even Mooney or, uh, you know, Miller or something, whoever's out there. Um Maybe look at the second level guy to see if we can get a bigger chunk of yardage as opposed to the the literal dink and dunk that we were doing uh, in the first half. Because statistically, on one side, being 14 for 18 or 14 for 19 or whatever looks good. But when you've completed 14 passes for like 78 yards or something like that, not good. You know, especially when the guy on the other side was 10 for 10 for 155 and three touchdowns. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be able to keep up statistically with Drew Brees, and I'm not. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for us to, you know, see if we can take a little bit of a deeper shot downfield as opposed to just the literally dump offs uh, there. So maybe that's uh, something the coordinator can do. Have those guys run a little bit deeper, even the ones in the flat. Maybe run a three to five yard route instead of just running along the line of scrimmage, uh, kind of thing. So. And then also on the other side uh, with the offense, it's, uh, you know, we, we've talked about it with Ross Jackson. Uh, we talked about how it killed us uh, against Green Bay uh, and everything. It's, we got to have better red zone production, you know, and this kind of plays into our hands if the Bears are able to run their offense on Sunday. If we're able to 
run the football effectively, if we're able to use the short passing game to move the ball down the field, you know, uh, move the chains, you know, keep control of the clock, and we find ourselves in the red zone, we're playing a defense that will that we should statistically have a higher rate of success closing out those drives, finishing them up. You know, like I said, the stat that I saw was the the Saints give up touchdowns 68% of the time in the red zone. So as good as that defense is, is keeping teams as the, as they have improved in keeping teams out of the red zone uh, since we last saw them. If we get into the red zone, we've got a three out of five chance of putting that ball uh, in the end zone for a touchdown. And that's something that we must, we must complete because with the way our defense has been playing, giving up the big plays, failing to get off the field on third down it's going to be paramount that we capitalize on every scoring opportunity that we can we just absolutely we have to do it it's the playoffs it's do or die there is no tomorrow but you have to earn tomorrow you know you have to earn tomorrow so if uh if we lose on sunday that's it we don't get to come back and do it again next week or anything like that it's it. it's over with it's on to the off season and and whatever winter vacations uh, you are planning on doing. So, um, you know, the hell with going on vacation. You want to stay at work. You want to keep playing uh, football. You want to get after that trophy and get that ring, uh, kind of thing. So, it's it's not unprecedented that a wild card team can win the playoffs. It's happened many times, uh, actually. But um, you know, it would be nice to to be competitive it would be nice to see the team uh make a run at this thing like make an honest run even if we end up losing i would like us to give the saints hell on the way out you know almost to the point where it's going to hinder their ability to win next week's game uh against whoever they have coming into town i would like the bears to have a performance like that i want the saints to feel lucky that they got past us if they can win this football game so which they are more more likely to do let's be honest but um you know you know like i said i want to see more of what we saw in the green bay game that that opening drive that's textbook that's exactly what we want you know moving the football down the field uh giving the ball to montgomery letting him run uh let him do his thing let's try to see a little bit more of the outside zone type runs he's he's better with that uh than the, than the you know inside lower your head those, those that's where i kind of worry that Maybe Nagy's having a little too much input with the play calling because we saw a little, a lot more of those inside uh, runs, and that's a that's not where our offensive line excels, and b that's not where David Montgomery does his best work. So you want to get him like outside the guard, outside the tackles, trying to find lanes. I mean, just think about what he did in the Vikings game and the way that we were blocking then, and and, and where he was. Uh, you know where all of his big runs came from. That first play of the game for 19 yards was a was a handoff or a pitch to the outside on on, on the left. And you know we he wasn't trying to run it up the gut. You know at at the you know right behind the center or anything like that. We were trying to make it to the outside. And I would like to see more runs like that um, than a lot of the inside runs that we saw uh, against Green Bay. So, but it's like more you know more consistent like we saw with the first drive finishing them off, putting them in the end zone, putting those points on the board to either stay in front of and or keep pace 
uh, with the Saints and what they'll probably be able to do against our defense. Because it, for the defense, for me, the philosophy uh, with the way that they've been playing the last several weeks is we know what this defense is capable of. We know how stingy they can be. They just haven't been for whatever reason for the last five or six weeks. We just haven't seen it from them since the Vikings game. You know, ever since then, you know, yeah, we only gave up seven to Houston. We only gave up 17 to um, Jacksonville. But in the other four games, 41 to Green Bay, 36 to Green Bay, 34 to Detroit, 27 to uh, Minnesota. That's a lot of points. You know, and thankfully our offense was up to the task and they were able to uh, make up for it. But, I mean, when in your life did you ever think that an offense led by Mitch Trubisky would carry our defense to a victory? I mean, it's just who who would have thought, man? So, you know, with, with the way that our defense has been playing, it's more likely that we're, we're going to have to score a ton of points to win this game uh, versus uh, winning a uh, – like, you know, like we should have beat the Eagles 18 to 15 or 18 to 16 or or, or whatever it was. I, I don't see that kind of football game happening. You know, we we we, uh, we we've got a lot of work cut out for us. And, and if the defense shows up, man, it could be something special. It really could. You know, and I talked about it the other day where I was like, you know, we could go on a 2006 Colts run where they were this this defense that struggled and and uh and everything and then uh, all of a sudden the postseason it just started to click. It started clicking in the postseason. They made the plays that they needed to make when they needed to make them. The next thing you know, they're hoisting the Lombardi trophy. Unfortunately against us in the Super Bowl, but nonetheless, that's exactly what happened. You know, they they started playing much better defense and it really helped out uh and and, and got them where they wanted to go. Uh, in the Super Bowl uh, that year. And we definitely have the talent uh, to to do that. We definitely do. Um, you know, we've got we've got Mac and Hicks and, you know, it's like all these guys are healthy and ready to go. We might be without Roquan uh, this week, but, you know, we've we've got good football players. We got talent at every level of the field. It's just these guys haven't been up to the standard uh, lately and if they can figure out whatever it is to get them there and looking at um, I saw a quote on Twitter not too long ago or earlier today from Khalil Mack talking about the uh, the disrespect that the Bears uh, have been experiencing this week uh, when referring to this matchup uh, with the Saints that you know nobody believes us he's like it's all been it's all been taken you know we're, we're taking note on all of it it's all been uh, noted, and we're going to use that. And um, I think the, if I'm not mistaken, he's like, and boy, it's going to be fun. And I hope he's right, because like I said, we are definitely capable of that. We are definitely capable on defense of making it a very long afternoon for Drew Brees and company, no matter who they have out there. We definitely have the ability to do that. It's just a matter of putting it all together and, and making it happen. And most importantly, what's really been killing the defense at times, it happened to us three times this past Sunday against Aaron Rodgers and the uh, Packers. It happened to us. It cost us the game against the Saints 10 weeks ago was 
missing out on the opportunities that were afforded to us. Now, you know, I mean, it it hurt us, especially with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, because Rodgers does not do that. That is not something he does a lot. I mean, just look at the guy's friggin' stats for Pete's sake. This this guy who threw 48 touchdowns versus, what, five, maybe six interceptions on the whole season. You know, I think Mitch has thrown six interceptions since he took over again six weeks ago. So, you know, just the, you know, ugly, you know, an ugly comparison between the two, but that's that those are the facts. And Drew Brees uh, is more likely to serve up an interception. Um, and I would know because in my 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 in the old days when I did play fantasy football, which I don't anymore because I love football and fantasy football made me want to hate the game just because. But, um, you know, Drew Brees was my quarterback in the year and I had him in a keeper league. So I had him for years. The guy was great for points. But every now and then he'd cost you at least a touchdown because every interception that he threw was minus three points so he would throw for three touchdowns and then two two interceptions so basically he was erasing one of those touchdowns with the turnover he did that to me all the time so you know Drew Brees is more likely to serve one up for us and just like he did in that overtime game he threw two one to Roquan run one to Eddie Jackson both of them you know land innocently to the ground because we dropped him and who knows what happens if we, especially that one to Roquan, he could have turned that one up the corner, ran up the sideline, and possibly won us the game on a walk-off interception. Those are the opportunities we can't let get by because you know I mean, we we saw Eddie Jackson drop an interception from Watson. He did it this past weekend against uh, Green Bay. Other you know interceptions he's dropped or missed out on and and whatnot. You know. He can't do that. Kendall Vildor, the one he had two hands on it. I mean, he, and like I said, it, it was one of those where it just looks like he outsmarted Rodgers. You know, like Rodgers didn't see him there. Boom, he pops up, you know, gets his hands on the ball, but he doesn't come down with it. Those are the opportunities we can't let get past us this weekend. We have to t- maximize those opportunities every single time. We can't let Alvin Kamara fumble the football and not have five of our guys pile on top of it. We can't let the Saints get away with mistakes. That's why we have lost those games. We, you know, we Rodgers threw us three interceptions. We walked away with none of them. Um, and I think I even remember saying something like five, you know, in opportunities in that Saints game were zero turnovers. Like I think there were like two other fumbles or something like that outside of the over, like during regulation, and then the the, the two interceptions and then the fumble in in overtime that the Bears did not take advantage of. And um, that's been a plague for the defense all season long is is not taking advantage of those mistakes when our opponents uh, make them. We basically just let them make the mistakes and we don't make them pay. There are no consequences to our opponents' mistakes this year. And that's the, one of the huge differences between this year and 2018 when we were monsters was that anytime an opponent made a mistake, Somebody was coming down with an interception. We were the first ones to the ball on the fumbles and so on and so forth. That's something that has to happen on Sunday. And and during this whole playoff run, because like I said, if we win this Sunday, we're going to Green Bay to play the Packers again. We can't let them get away with the mistakes we let them get away with this past Sunday if we're going to succeed. 
So that's just what has to happen on Sunday, plain and simple. So, you know, I don't really have much of a strategy defensively for for the Bears. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not as um, sharp in the X's and O's for defensive players or for defense. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the show, if we can get after Drew Brees, you know, we can, you know, pressure him, maybe force a mistake out of him, you know, pounce on that mistake if he makes it. You know, if he serves one up to Vildor again or Jalen Johnson, God forbid, or Kyle Fuller, or Eddie Jackson, we got to come down with it, you know. If, so, if a ball gets batted up into the air, it can't hit the ground before anybody gets their hands on it. Somebody in a, in a, in a blue and white uniform has got to fall underneath it. Um, those are the things that have to happen uh, on Sunday. So just to recap, on offense, want to see more of what we saw in the Green Bay game, like especially more specifically that first drive of the game where we finished it off with a touchdown, maybe take some deeper shots, maybe run some deeper routes, so that we're throwing five and ten yards down the field instead of just dumping it off and letting the receiver uh, do all of the work. Uh, when we get into the red zone, we gotta finish. We gotta put them in the end zone. Now, this is basic, you know, like no shit type of stuff. But you know, the, everyone would have been saying that last week. But we had five trips in the red zone, one stinking touchdown. So, you know, that's definitely something that we can't get away with this Sunday. Uh, against the Saints because with the way our defense is playing 16 points ain't going to be enough to beat the New Orleans Saints but if the defense shows up 16 might be enough it might be but we can't settle for that so we got to go out there we got to score the points when we get in the red zone we got to take advantage we're playing a defense that allows touchdowns three out of five times in the red zone we got to finish and then on defense like I said get after Drew Brees um, you know, same as before, like when I said last week against the uh, the Packers for Pagano to try to find a happy medium between sending pressure and dropping in coverage. Same thing with Drew Brees because he's a smart guy just like Aaron Rodgers is he'll be able to see it when it's coming. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, sending the right mixture of pressure, dropping the right guys into coverage, dropping them in the right place because that seems to be the biggest problem for the Bears is that they always seem to be able to, if we send somebody, they're always able to attack where, you know, where we're vulnerable in that spot. Like it's there, it's easy for those guys to find it and they make us pay for it. So, you know, find a better, find a good mixture of pressure and coverage to get after Breeze. And we got to maximize those turnover opportunities. If Breeze makes a mistake and puts one in, in, you know, in range, we got to come down with it. So there you go. And that's it. That's all I got. Now all we have to do is sit back and wait, wait for kickoff and wait to see how this season will unfold. Will it end on Sunday? Will we get another shot? Will we get another week? Will we get another game? Head out to Lambeau and see if we can't slay the dragon once and for all. I mean, and just wouldn't, wouldn't that just be the most magnificent thing? If we could beat the Saints on Sunday and then we go to Lambeau and after two bad losses to Green Bay to go in there and, you know, everything that they did to get the number one seed to send them home, you know, it's like, well, you won't have to travel far. You know, you're already here. So have a good one. We're heading out to wherever for the NFC championship game. You guys can watch it on TV. We'll see you next year. Wouldn't that just be fantastic? That 
that would be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it really would to to for you know for all the trouble that Green Bay went to get the number one seed, only for them to play us and for us to send them home. Like ooh, mm, yeah, I get moist just thinking about it. So anyway, that's gonna do it, guys. Come back on Monday for Bear Up and Bear Down. There will be one regardless of the outcome of the game. Then we'll do the uh, we'll do the review episode. That will drop on Tuesday. And then who knows what happens after that. We'll either be having Evan Western on the show once again to preview uh, the divisional round, or we'll probably be bringing, bringing in like Lauren Cox and such to help us review the season and close the book on 2020. So interested to see how next week is going to go. But uh, regardless, Monday and Tuesday will be the same. We'll have Bear Up and Bear Down on Monday and the review on Tuesday. So until then... My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? 
In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.